What's up, everybody? This is your girl, author Monique Duell, and welcome to the 2020 season of Having a Moment with Moni. I have thoroughly missed you guys. A myriad of things have happened, and so I'm back. Welcome, welcome to all of those first-time listeners. Today, I want to talk about insurance woes. Recently, my son had outgrown his wheelchair, and in the midst of that happening, his Hoya lift stopped working. As many of you know, Jeremiah is 19 now, and he is, I think, 167 pounds now. So I had to fight with the insurance company just to get a new wheelchair because they have rules that Maryland Medicaid has put in place regarding replacing equipment and wheelchairs. And one of those rules is you have to have the chair for at least five years or you have to be able to prove that the chair is no longer adequate for Jeremiah. Now, upon visual inspection inspection of this chair, you can clearly see that the chair was not adequate for him. He's curved again because his spine is starting to curve again due to scoliosis, and he has to have another surgery this year. Um, And if you looked at him in his old chair, he was not only hunched over to the side in the chair, but his feet were touching the ground. And... It amazed me that I had to do several doctor visits and reports just to get the new chair that he has now. So they did not immediately give me a prescription for the new chair. They wanted the doctors to say exactly how was the chair inadequate, even though upon looking at him in the chair, you could clearly see that the chair was no longer adequate for him or safe. Now, we got the new chair about maybe two weeks ago, if it's been two weeks ago. No, it might be a week. Yeah, we just recently got the new chair. This chair was $22,000 and some change, the MSRP. However, the insurance company will only recoup 8000 of that. Now, the chair is souped up. He got a new chest strap. It's tall enough for him, new hairrest, new wheels. This thing is like a little Lexus. It is awesome. Sent him to school the very next day in the chair, and the chair came back loose. Now, you tell me, how in the world do you tear up a brand new wheelchair that's not even 24 hours old? He can't push himself. He can't work any of the controls on it. They have to strap him in and off the bus and strap him into the chair with the harness and all of that. So, of course, we know he definitely did not break the chair. However... When I called and emailed the school and stuff and the bus lot, everybody were was going back and forth about who was handling the chair this way, who could have possibly made it, you know, made it break or um, loosen because this person pushes it this way. We push it that way. No, we're very careful with the chair. It was the bus lot. The bus lot like, no, we don't do that. All we do is push him in and lock him in. So it definitely was there. Everybody's going through the blame game. Meanwhile, I had to call the company back, New Motion, to get a um, a ticket so that we could get this brand new 24-hour-old wheelchair repaired. Of course, I had to see if I needed a new prescription because according to Medicaid rules, you need a prescription to get it fixed, even if it was just 24 hours ago. Okay, so meanwhile... Jeremiah needs a new sur- needs surgery on his spine again. And 
because of the nature of the time that I've been at my job, I don't qualify for FMLA. He has to be out of school for six weeks after the surgery. And he has to be hospitalized for at least three days. So you're talking six and a half weeks, maybe seven tops. Um, I have been proactive in trying to get services for him at home while he recovers so that I could keep my job. However, um, they don't offer um, they don't offer services where he would be able to stay in the hospital while he recovers because he doesn't qualify for that because he's not tube fed or or um, cathetered. He doesn't qualify for a skilled nursing facility because, according to them, he's not quote unquote normal. So he would still need somebody to be there with him 24 seven and the insurance company would cover it. So the thing of it is this. What what are we supposed to do as single special needs parents when our children have to have surgery or have serious health conditions that jeopardize our job that we a cannot get um, any type of government services for and b uh we we don't we don't have enough leave for so basically if i choose to stay home with him while he recovers i won't get a paycheck until i return back to work which is like i said six and a half to seven weeks or i could try to work part-time and hope for the best um the major issue with him having a caregiver at home after surgery is that they're not allowed to give him medication unless they're a CNA. His caregiver is not a CNA. So unless they send a home health aid home with him to administer the, the pain meds that he would need and stuff like that, then by law, she won't be able to give him any medication. So that's one of the biggest concerns. You know, after a major surgery like that, he may be in some discomfort and he needs meds at a certain time schedule. Now, I could give him the medicine before I went to work and things like that. But what happens when he's uncomfortable and needs to be placed back in the bed because they don't want him in bed too long so he won't get stiff. They want him to sit up half time in bed half time. Now, mind you, we still don't have the Hoyer lift. So we can't just move him like that, you know, so that we won't hurt him or cause him further discomfort. So there is a plethora of things that go into this seemingly simple in and you know in and out major procedure. There are there are things that are knowns as well as unknowns that we have to address in order for me to make sure that Jeremiah is well taken care of as he recovers. We're not even gonna get into all of that. That will be another episode because it's a lot. So with that being said, I am in the midst of transitioning career-wise. And I had been before finding out that he needed the surgery. So even if I was already in the new position that I um, recently accepted, I still would not be at work for at least a year to be able to take FMLA. So even in this new career change, imagine starting a new job and saying to them, oh, by the way, I will be off for seven weeks because my son needs major surgery. And I would have only been at this job maybe six weeks. Of course, there's a fear there. Of course, 
I will still be in my probationary period. So they could easily say, well, no, we can't, we can't allow you to be gone that long. Is there any way you could work this out or that out? Even the, the position that I'm in right now, they asked me that. And I'm sitting there saying to them, I have a child who is an invalid, basically, that I have to do everything for. There's no gray area here. There's no gray area. Either I have to be at home or there could, there could be issues. So even if I was at work, if I start getting calls saying you need to come home because, you know, this, this and that is happening. Jeremiah isn't comfortable or I think he's in more pain or he needs to go back to the hospital. All of those things is still going to create an issue either way with the job, either way. So it's like I don't have. I don't have any safe, you know, I'm not safe either way. I just have to take care of my son and let the chips fall where they may. Now, how am I supposed to, if I am home for seven weeks uh, and I'm pretty much basically living paycheck to paycheck, how am I supposed to be at home with no pay and then pay rent and pay car note and pay health insurance? and pay renter's insurance, and pay life insurance. All of these things that automatically come out of my um, account for these things that we have as, you know, of course, life things that you need. You need life insurance. You need health insurance. I need my wheelchair-accessible vehicle, or else Jeremiah's not going anywhere unless we deal with wretched Metro Access, which many of you know Metro Access is the devil. Um, So... I have just been ruminating in my mind, like what what what's left? Like I don't I don't have any answers. All I could do at this point is take one day at a time. And the thing about it is, it makes me angry because I'm in a position where I don't have no choice but to do what I need to do and pray that, you know, we make it through the situation. Yes, I have some family support, but uh, family's not going to pay my bills for a month. They're not going to do that. Yes, I could have possibly done uh, a GoFundMe, but why? Of course, it's looked at as income if you have government assistance. Um, Yes, I could say, oh, cash out me this, that, that, and this is the reason why, but why? That's not what I do. I'm not one of those type of people. If I really needed something, if something dire was going on, and I'm not saying this isn't, I would ask for that kind of help. But I feel as though because we are capable, myself and his father, are capable of handling the situation, that this is our responsibility. However, there is no us. It's just me. So while I've made these concerns and stuff known, to his father and we've talked at length about this surgery and he needs it it's no way around it the more you curve it presses on your spine and it impacts your breathing so there's no way around this it has to happen there's no if ands or buts about it so we have to be proactive and working together to make this a smooth process however again i'm a single woman trying to work the system to accommodate my son while trying to jack up the absent father to be more instrumental in helping me. So that's pretty much it. So now I'm in a conundrum. Do I go ahead with the surgery and risk losing my job? 
or contact the hospital and try to reschedule the surgery, which means the rescheduling could take at least another six to nine months because it's not like surgery dates are open like regular appointments. Um, any of you who have children or family members who go to children's know that these specialty appointments and doctors like orthopedics and sports medicine and all that, they are booked out for months already, even years already, because they have regular patients that they have to see and medications that they have to administer. So those are the only two choices I have, either do it or don't. There is no gray area for me. So this is what I've been dealing with, and this is why I have not been... Um, doing podcasts because I needed time to regroup. I need time to clear my head, get things together. Um, I got myself back in therapy so that, you know, I can mentally handle the new changes now that my son is transitioning to an adult. And um, I thought I was being proactive with making sure his services were in place by 21, only to be told that um, through DDA, because his birthday is after September, he won't be able to access any of the DDA services until he's 22. Why are you just now telling me this in 2020 when you should have told me this back when I kept asking about DDA services and making sure that we had uh, day services in place or residential services in place? This is what angers us especially these parents. It's like every time we think we got it together and we're proactive, you change the rules of engagement and then we have to start all over again. And, and it's like we feel like we're digging a circle for ourselves. You would think that it was their money, the way they act and the way they handle us. They don't tell us a lot of things, guys. Listen, ask questions. I don't care how stupid it sounds or how medial. They're not going to volunteer any information because they don't want to provide the services. Because providing services means that they have to do work. Okay? And they don't want to have to do this work so they get to keep the budget for themselves and spend it however they want. Get the services that your child deserves. I don't care how much you got to fight, how hard you got to fight, how many phone calls you have to make, how many emails and letters you have to send. This is why we have to fight for our services for our special needs children. They're not just giving it to us and they know it. They know the rules. They know all the stuff you could get. And they know all the services and where they are, and how to access them. They're not telling you nothing. They have a don't ask, don't tell policy. And so this is why we should share these things. When you find out about something and you have social media pages or word of mouth, just in passing and regular conversation, let it be known because somebody needs it. Somebody's looking for it. These um, There are parents out here like us who are literally at the end of our rope trying to stabilize our special needs um, children who are becoming adults who have crossed over. We had to get guardianship for. We're trying to stabilize them so that, that not only they can have a life, but that we can have a life as well. It's ridiculous. I mean, the stuff that they send us through that could have easily been handled the first time is absolutely egregious. And until we make our voices heard, and hit the pavement, nothing's going to change. It only changes when we make the change. We have to be the change that we want to see within our disability communities. We got to be the voice. Jeremiah doesn't have a voice to say, no, this isn't right, that isn't right. So guess what? I have to be his voice. You have to be your sons or your daughters or your family members or your loved one's voice. Be the voice because it matters, okay? So 
just to recap, nothing's going to change unless you change it. There it is. Simple to the point. This has been the first episode of Having a Moment with Modi for 2020. And as always, we're going to end with a word of prayer. So, Father, I thank you for this episode. I thank you that we've crossed over into 2020, Lord God, that you have blessed us to be able to see 2020 with all that has been attached to it thus far. Father, I pray for grace, not just for myself, but for every listener who's struggling with services right now. Father, lead and guide them to the appropriate services, to people who genuinely care and will help them and lead them and guide them to help them with their special needs loved ones. I give you glory and honor and praise and I speak peace and blessings over all who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, people, remember, be the change you want to see. God is giving you the grace. It's within you to make it happen. I love you. Peace.